The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful day, having a wonderful week. You know the score. Um, Podcast time, and this week it is the one and only Beck. Um, Beck is British DJ producer based out of Berlin. She's recently released on uh, We Are The Brave, which is Alan Fitzpatrick label. The track is called Marimba. Go check that out um, after we've um, had this conversation. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was the first time kind of meeting her, talking to her. Um, Yeah, we spoke about all things music um the future of music um and kind of how she likes to tour and where she tours and things like that so without further ado beck beck how are you i'm good thanks how are you doing i'm good uh, i'm good i'm uh in the uk right now and it looks like it's gonna hammer it down um looking out the window but it's all good what about you where are you in the world uh, I'm in Berlin, but as you can tell, I'm I'm English as well. I was literally just over there actually as well, but came back to Berlin on Saturday. I was going to say the accent, the accent is definitely English, but I didn't know if it was, if it was like from England or not. There's like a, t- there's a tinge of something else in there. If I can, if I'm, if I'm not right, wrong. Mm, there's not, but I've just lived abroad for six years now. Okay. So I think I've got one of those accents that just pick up on other on other people and yeah. other people's accents. So, how long? Yeah. How long you been in Berlin? Uh, yeah, six years. Oh, wow. um, long time. It's a long time, and a lot of my friends are just from all over here, so yeah. it just starts to twinge a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. Have you? What made you go out there in the first place? Well, it's definitely the music scene, yeah. really. Um, and also, I used to work as like a graphic designer in advertising agencies in okay. London. Yeah. And I was just so res- ready for a change. I also lived in London for six years. Mm. And then, you know, I got into music quite seriously and thought I really needed a change. So I just took the opportunity and, and came over back then. Nice. Did um Did it? really like change your whole kind of like perspective on the music or were you into what you were into before you went to London like genre wise and or did Berlin just like really kind of like make it what you what you are today I think I was kind of already heading in this direction like I this was my kind of sound that the techno that you yeah. hear over here more but I 
it's kind of, in, in my in my opinion and a lot of other people's i think it's the electronic music capital of the world right now so it's just also like okay if i'm serious about this as a career i'm gonna like be there and be yeah. in the thick of it and like london has also like a ton of good music and it's an amazing city mm. but for me it's more like mixed mixed genre wise and over here in berlin like it's mainly techno that's like the main genre and everyone's here so it just makes it easier to meet people and be in a central space yeah it always seems like there's like a really nice community when you're in berlin compared to most other places in the world in electronic dance music like there's so many studio spaces as well there's so many venues and it's always just like it's a really nice it's it's very community based i guess really every time i go there it's just like this is really nice because everyone is here um yeah whereas london's very different to that england's very different to that i find england i don't know it might have been different for your experience but i find england quite clicky and different in the music industry it's like you have to be with a crew yeah i kind of feel it's like that here as well but like there's so many different kind of crews that you're bound to kind of fall into one of them whereas in london i do understand what you mean it's either like this or like that um and yeah i'm actually speaking to today from riverside studios i have a studio here and it's really nice because there's like i don't know how many but like 30 people or even more 30 studios and probably 60 people that are part of this community and um it's really nice to get inspired and stay connected yeah. with with everyone here as well so that's what i i do obviously know of some places in london where and in england where they have big studio communities but i guess i just like berlin was exciting to me yeah. and i wanted to kind of like use this as my next stepping stone in my life and career i guess no that makes complete sense how how did the whole music thing start for you from being in london working kind of in advertising and everything like that like what why why techno yeah i've always been into electronic music and collected it since a young age like before i actually started djing i already had a collection of like ten thousand tracks and i was like super music geek into you know knowing every track id like being at every party like listening to how the dj was mixing and i never really thought of doing it myself until a friend suggested to me like hey you're you you really have a passion for this and you so far without even doing it you've got like knowledge of a lot of the music so why don't you just start and um yeah and then i started and i kind of never stopped so it was yeah just as a lot of people do you start to go down that path and then realize how much you love it and want to make it kind of your whole your whole life so yeah yeah. do you see yourself leaving berlin or just like staying there forever so i did leave um a year and a half ago now two years ago now i left for a year and a half and then i ended up sorry my phone just went I ended up um, coming back. I went, I moved back to England for six months and I moved to Ibiza. Okay. And I thought I would kind of want the nature in Ibiza and yeah. then the, the like hustle and bustle of London um, the rest of the time. Yeah. 
but I didn't really like it that much. I just miss Berlin. Yeah. I, I think like I can always go on holiday to Ibiza or go stay with friends there. And with London, I've got loads of friends and families that family there. So I can always go back when I want. But um, Berlin is a like I miss the base here and, and how easy and convenient the city is as well. Yeah. And you can pretty much travel from anywhere in the world there as well. It's like the airports are pretty good. Yeah. Um. I want to talk about kind of the like process of writing music on like when you started were you like how long did it take you to get to the point where you're at today to like where you're happy to write music because I, I think that kind of gets forgotten about on especially nowadays there's so many people that are producing and but it, how long it actually takes to write something good <laughs> and yeah. until you're yeah. at the point where you're happy or even if you're not happy because uh, like even for me like when I release music sometimes it's like a year later I'm like oh, I wish I didn't release that um what's what's your kind of how how long has it taken for you yeah that's an interesting question I think it's been probably like three years mm. it took um wow that's short do you think yeah, I thought that was amazing. quite long because yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I came from kind of nothing into I mean I had back when I was a child and like teenager growing up I played piano and played oh, guitar okay. so had a bit of musical yeah. knowledge but it seemed to have just like all been forgotten when I started to, <laughs> to make electronic music um I did a short course um where I, where I was studying in the evenings for six months after work and then when I moved over to Berlin I really just decided to just like put in as much time as yeah. I could myself um, and there was a bit of a like yeah there was definitely getting over the hurdle moment where everything started to make sense and um i started to yeah be able to write myself like fully and not like also use reference tracks yeah. or like listen to how other people had done it there became a moment where you can just kind of flow and um and really just like i think it's also about trusting yourself as well yeah. you don't have to follow all the rules in the book i found that in the beginning a lot of the like finite mixing um like knowledge i kind of don't really use that much i just am like does this sound good if there's a big problem obviously with frequencies clashing or something more technical up then i will fix that at a later date yeah. if it needs fixing but it's just kind of about yeah trusting trusting myself at one point and i think that was about three years in and if i listen to back to my first releases of course i'm like oh wow this is quite basic but at the time i thought it was amazing so, <laughs> um but i don't regret any of the releases i've put out and i think that it's good not to it's just it's a it's a landmark of like where you were at that moment yeah i think it's amazing to see the progression um so i think it's like it's quite even if you put it out technically not a great release it's kind of like well two years later i can recognize that that's awful <laughs> so that's yeah i've progressed i like that mindset because i regret releasing a lot of music <laughs> yeah um but I think yeah for me it's it took me years I've been doing I've been like writing for like 15 years and I think it was only up until like maybe two years ago I was like 
yeah, this is, I've like got to where I feel like I can always progress from it, but I'm like super happy with what I'm putting out. Um, mm. But I don't know, maybe that was for me because I was just trying to fit in and like copying fashions and stuff like that. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. It's weird. It's yeah. Definitely weird. How, how did you, when you like released your first release, can you remember what label that was on? Yeah, it was on Second State, um, which was also part of how and why I moved over here because I met Panpot and they were just starting the label at the time. And they said, you know, if you're ever in Berlin, come see us at the office. And I just really took that opportunity as well. And I've had, yeah, they've always supported me um, throughout my career, which has been really cool. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, I also came from a background where like going back to your point on how long it takes people to kind of get to a state of release ready music while I had, I was trained in Photoshop and like other computer programs. Right. So also when I was transferring these skills into Ableton, which is what I use, it was just a matter of like learning a new program. Yeah, totally. Because I'm bit of a geek like that i guess not your stereotypical like person that you see right here so um but yeah no that was that was all part of the move and that was the first uh first they were released on yes that's amazing how long did it take for you to be like full-time in music if you are full-time in music like what what was the what was the point where you got to like okay well this is i just don't have time to do anything else yeah, that was only about one year before the pandemic, actually, yeah. um, which really sucked. Yeah, um, I bet. I bet. I had, like, honestly, my busiest period, um, which luckily and thankfully took off when yeah. things resumed in the, this summer just gone. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of only about a year before. But yeah. I also enjoyed doing a bit of both. So I was doing some freelance design mm. work, but more kind of app or website designs. So yeah. It's still something I enjoy um, when I wanted to slash when I needed to, you know, when gigs mm. were a bit more quiet. Um, it's a perfect flexibility because I could take on a project for a couple of weeks or a month or even yeah. three or more months if I needed yeah. to. Um, so I was in the fortunate position to not have to get a full-time job and still do something I kind of liked. I think with music, of course, it's probably one of the most competitive industries in the world, along with things like fashion and like art. So I think um, there is, yeah, like a lot that's needed to get yourself to the point where you can actually like live off, live off the money um but yeah it's like it was an incredible feeling when i could do that and yeah and just really focus then on music but then sometimes i was like oh i think five days in the week in the studio is definitely too much it's a a lot isn't it yeah but then there's a lot of other areas that you need to focus on social media like the list goes on how how do you find that coming from like a design kind of point of view where obviously you've got the eye for design and it kind of correlates with social media and and kind of branding and things like that did you find it easy to kind of coming into that world 
Mm, no, not at all. It's still like my least favorite part of uh, what I do. I don't find, to be honest, like social media easy or natural. I yeah. think some people clearly do and they do very well at it. Yeah. But I think it's quite a difficult thing to, you basically have to be your most authentic self yeah. and be super vulnerable in front of a load of people you don't know. Yeah. And the more effectively you do that, and you're confident and you're yourself, I guess the more people connect with it and like it, but it's about finding how you feel comfortable to do that on a regular basis. It's such a difficult thing because if you've had other things in your life going on, the last thing that I want to do actually is post on Instagram. Um, and that kind of gets put to one side yeah. until I feel I'm actually like, okay, I feel like I'm in the headspace where I can think about what I want to share with everyone else, let alone what I've been doing or processing myself. So I really like hats off to people that do that successfully all the time because it's kind of insane, the energy and space needed for that. It's, yeah, It's a full-time job. It's something for me that I've like, I've never really struggled with the social media and I'm lucky that I haven't because it's just like, I don't know, it just seems to come naturally to me. Um, but on many occasions i'm like fuck me this is hard work this is like a this is a full-time job like dealing with what i need to put up on here or and like with with like the newer platforms like tiktok coming up and i just it makes me feel like an old man because i'm just like i don't know what to do and i know i need to do it if i want to kind of keep going or keep growing like so social medias but for me is like it's it's kind of going back to what you were saying about you still really enjoying the design work and you enjoying music it's like i enjoy doing instagram but i don't enjoy doing tiktok and i don't enjoy dealing with facebook and things like that so if if i can do the things that i enjoy it makes it all a whole lot easier but mm. i can't force it at all yeah it can't be forced no. and then when you do force it it's kind of not like vibing with everyone else no so one gives quite... a fuck like yeah. they're like they can tell it like you can tell if something's fake you can tell if if but the, i think the thing that really weirds me out on social media is that you could talk about like everyone's following you because you they like your music i'd like to hope that most people that follow you and i they know our music right yeah the minute you talk about your music no one really gives a fuck. The minute you talk about like your dog or something like that, everyone like loves it and is like fully into it. And that's just something that I just do not understand. Whether I mean, as you're saying it now, it gives me another like idea that maybe it's because all these people, like you say, they know your music, right? And they're like able to just listen to that online. But what True. they can sneak into is your life apart from that. True. So if you have a cute dog or obviously people admire your music, so they want to know more about you as a person and yeah. I guess that makes sense. Life. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. It's still weird. <laughs> Cause, yeah, cause, I agree. Cause it's, yeah. I, I, I would love to like have seen because i i we we grew up without social media i don't know like how old you are but i grew up without social media i, I remember when like myspace kind of started um yeah and then it moved to facebook and then 
Twitter and then Instagram. But it was such a different time before that. And mm. it, it kind of felt so like the DJ was almost like a mystery and also wasn't that important. It was like the DJ was just the person that played the music and there weren't really, it didn't really matter to a certain extent. Like people were into DJs, but it just wasn't wasn't the cool thing to do. Um, now it's like the cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm totally there on on that. I was probably around the same time as you. I remember MySpace coming up, and it's also like if you remember that, it's probably good to keep in mind that all the platforms we currently have will also go out go one out day. Like, yeah. um, especially when. I mean, because I was in the web industry more, you know, there's a big revolution coming of the web 3.0, which yeah. is meant to bypass platforms, right? And give people ownership of their stuff. So totally. I think also in terms of social media, we might be at a really big shift in the next year or two. And maybe some platforms will disappear. Maybe even Spotify will. They've just, um, I mean, I don't, do I regard, I kind of regard Spotify as a social media platform, I yeah. guess. Um, but Spotify have just had to like invest a hundred million in uh, defense to try and figure out how to stay above ground and keep people using a platform where in a few years, like, yeah, the web 3.0 will mean that, um, you know, with NFTs and people will basically have ownership of their music a lot more of, yeah. and of everything they use online because right now we're just giving everything. our data out to everyone without even thinking. And this is why, yeah countries such as china are actually way ahead of us in terms of like stopping to use these big platforms already although i think they have others that they now use but i think that yeah it's just good to keep in mind that whatever we're using now is not going to be there for it's, very, it's not likely to be there for forever so well, i think that's super important as well to say because i think we all forget that because we a lot of us are just kind of living day to day but if we look at the past of what's happened, so much change has happened in the last 15 years, 10 years. Um, what's your whole thoughts on Web 3.0? Because I'm like really trying to get into it now. I'm like really trying to get my head around it and try and work it out. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm only just really getting seriously yeah. into like learning more about it because I've just had a you know, very epiphany kind of moment of like, things are going to change. Well, because when Web 2.0 started, this is when, you know, apps were able to be created yeah. and all of the big, a lot of big platforms came in like Facebook and sort of initiated this social media wave. Mm. And now we're going to be seeing use of the blockchain and other like companies and platforms are going to, there's going to be new ways to, create like stuff online yeah. basically we don't we essentially won't need the middleman platform yeah. so it might it might change even the way that we sell music mm -hmm. we might not need to we might be able to keep more money from our yeah. music sales which would be amazing um i think it's gonna yeah give people like rights to their kind of digital property basically mm -hmm. and 
yeah, I think big platforms will have to like really think of ways to enable their users to still, yeah, like have ownership of their stuff and have more um, giving, like basically giving back to the people that own the data. Yeah, it's, it's always amazes me. And like, this is on, I, I've had this conversation with my manager over the last like two, three years where we're the ones doing the art. We're the ones kind of giving the product. And yet we're the ones that kind of almost get like kind of suffocated from all the data that everyone else is capturing and making money off us and then also not paying us. Yeah. And when we're you, like in a lose-lose cycle. Yeah. And it's like, let's say for instance, it takes you, let's just say it takes you a week to write a record or a month. Okay. A month to write a record. That's 12 records a year. Like I know that's quite minimal, but use that for example. And then you only release like four of those records like we all know that we make fuck all money out of those out of that music but how much data do the bigger platforms take from that music that gets used from us and then how much money do they generate from the data that they're using based on what what we are kind of giving them by sending people to their platforms and it's like this catch 22 is like you know how it is when you release a record on Spotify, Apple, and things like that. Like, if you don't get playlisted, your record just gets lost in the in the depths of mm. Spotify and, and Apple Music. And then you're like, well, we just put this music out. And there's almost really... A lot of artists don't even release that often nowadays mm. because it doesn't even matter. It's not about music, which is wild because we're in the music industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's changed massively. Um, I kind of wish I was around a bit earlier, to be honest. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, I, um, I think you, I yeah. think we're in a really interesting time though, because I, like what you were saying with NFTs. I don't know if you know the the essay Kevin Kelly's Thousand Fans, Thousand True Fans. It's a really. I'll send you a link after, um, but it's like a really interesting. It's kind of the subscription model, but per artist. So if you have a thousand fans paying you £10 a month, $10 a month, €10 a month, then you're kind of making a a living from your music. Mm. And then if if you scale that up, et cetera, et cetera. And that's almost like the same. It's like OnlyFans. It's like Patreon. It's kind of all those type of types of of, um, subscription platforms. However, with with the nfts with blockchain it does allow everyone to keep their own data it does allow every artist to be able to charge what they want to charge and then it's really just down to the artist to create a community and that's so important communities are so important in dance music in any in any art um i guess in the end say that again yeah, that's what music is yeah. in the end, I guess. It's like club is almost a community, you know, of certain people, certain like genres, I guess, mm. certain communities. We need to remember that as well, I think. Do you know what would be amazing as well is if every promoter worked with the artist. This is something that I've been 
banging on about for a good year or two is like imagine if every promoter gave you the contact details to everybody that bought a ticket to your show yeah and like how much you could build a community in each city with the promoter you you work together because of course you we, I don't want to become a promoter for every show of myself. I want to work with people so that everyone does what they do great. But if if we had, let's say, for instance, I went to L.A., did a show in L.A., and the promoter gave me all the details, all the data that that kind of bought tickets, imagine what I could do with that community. Imagine how, like, we could build that community by doing a lot of like giveaways or kind of inviting them to certain things and they get special access to certain things mm-hmm. like it would just create so much more community so many more people would give a fuck about you yeah but at the moment everyone's just kind of seems to be fighting against each other and it's like it doesn't make any sense <laughs> really yeah it's yeah, it's. Uh, I think the sense of community is is really important because mm. it's not just about the music you make necessarily. It's about like you know the music can also have a message. People yeah. can create a tour based on you know a whole project mm-hmm. of music that may f- feed into yeah like mode selector they do they have like political messages within their music or whatever they want to address at the time and then they have everything around that is tied in and i think getting your community on board with yeah really following you and really like listening to everything that you're making and putting out is really important it's going to be more and more important i think appealing blindly to the masses and having a ton of followers is kind of quality over quantity i think will become like necessary like necessary when nfts and um you know when we really take ownership of our of our music properly i think community and quality of community rather than quantity of the masses will be definitely really important no i totally agree with that and i think i think it's down to us as the artists to actually start creating those communities ourselves which we all have to a certain extent through social media but i think it's just how do we take that away from social media and how do we actually create these people into like true fans true Mm. true people that like will literally do everything like that they will want to support you in every way yeah or in certain ways like some some fans will go to every single show some fans won't go to every single show but they will listen to your music or they might buy your nft or they might whatever um I think it's just really important. And I, and I also think it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this where you've played a show somewhere and then you've put a video up of you playing in the show and then like people in the comments are like, wait, I didn't know you were in Berlin tonight yeah. playing. And you're like, how the <laughs> fuck? Time, yeah. And, and it's like, how how the fuck do you, did you not know? And the reason yeah. why you didn't know is because we're all, battling with algorithms and having to having to put paywalls up to to make something happen mm, yeah absolutely that's really interesting point it's quite yeah it's quite ironic that we're meant to use social media to get the message out to people of when we're yeah. in certain places and then yeah we're batting against random algorithms that 
like have become more and more difficult. Um, I think especially on Instagram, it's really hard to get traction these days. And when Reels first came out, there was a sudden boom, yeah. tons of views, things going viral, and now they're also really difficult. So yeah. it's kind of like you have to jump on trends and like trends within the platforms rather than what everyone else is doing, so to speak. But I think it's, yeah, it's it's like a tough world. There's so many things to think of. Um, and yeah, getting true fans that really um, follow you for your music, and getting you know getting messages out to them there must be different ways that we can start to start to do this um yeah i there there has to be i've got i've got a few meetings coming up that are kind of all based on blockchain and kind of crypto stuff and nft and like each time like each time i go somewhere somebody's talking about it and I think, yeah. I think it's it's definitely there. And I don't think we're too late. I think a lot of people have said like, oh, you're too late. This this is just started. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is just the the kind of tip. It's like we're, we're at the beginning of the mountain. Um, I think so as well. I think like it's, yeah, I think it's just started mm. like a few years ago, but it's not used by the masses yet. But in the next few years, people are going to be adopting all of this stuff and we're going to see huge change again. Like it's just exponential what's happening and what's happened in the last five, 10 years. So yeah. I think there's, yeah, it's about staying open to new ideas as an artist and trying new things yeah. without being fear, like scared of failure and being a bit unique. I think being out the box and not doing what everyone else is doing and sign up kind of, yeah, creating new ways for your fans to connect with you is really important. Yeah. I, th I think that's really important. I think it's, it is definitely like not kind of jumping on bandwagons and just sticking to what feels a hundred percent true to you. Um, yeah, I'm into it though, but it's also for me, it's like, it, the thing, the crazy thing that kind of still blows my mind is like we're still in the music industry and we, like we still have to write music and that's still the most important thing is just like write fucking great music and it will eventually do well yeah i mean like i want to i believe in that and i think that is what the essence of what we love and what yeah. our music industry is about but like it's difficult like is that actually still true right now um yeah it's i don't know what do you think is it well say you're an incredible producer and every track you put out is like gold um but your social media is like really bad mm. I don't know. It depends what sort of genre of music you do, I guess. If you're really in the underground, that can be fine because I think, like, it's not as important to be, you know, really visible on social media. Um, but if you're in slightly more commercial, when I say commercial, I mean the bigger labels, yeah. uh, people that are playing, you know, bigger clubs and festivals worldwide or just different i guess to the underground I have to be careful about how i word all of this but, uh, <laughs> i think um it might be more difficult because 
yeah, everyone else probably has great social media and amazing marketing and is doing all these other cool like things and ways to get their yeah. music heard. So I think it's it's a bit sad, but it's it's also about yeah, you as a person and showing that like like we spoke about earlier, people like to see the dog, cute dog photos yeah. and we all just need to get um, French we all just need to get Frenchies and just start posting pictures of them. I think that yeah, <laughs> how how do you do it? How do you kind of have that balance of creating music and running it as a business? Because it is uh, it is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, how do I do that? Um I have recognized that like I myself, I'm not the best when it comes to shooting videos of myself and these kind of things. So now I'm like strategizing on, okay, who can, who is more expert in that, that I can get to help me because this is the side where I'm not good and this is not my talent. This is not my passion. So I'm trying to enable myself to focus on the music um, and where I can, and depending on, you know, how successful I am with gigs at that moment, get other people to help with my, with the other pieces that I maybe don't want to give my energy and time to as much. Um, But music always stays the foreground for me. Like I love my studio and I'm in here as much as I can. And I'm definitely like, it lifts my mood and this is, you know, why I do what I do and to be able to share music with other people. So yeah, I think where I can, I start to think of other experts that can maybe tell me or like not, not, you know, someone that can come to a gig and do a professional video that I can then use on social media. And and it's a lot more successful than me just quickly asking someone behind me, Oh, can you just film this? (laughs) Which we all know is, a nightmare because you have to be in that split second of capturing that moment. And then whoever you ask might do a terrible job yeah. or suddenly there's someone that walks in front of the camera or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing when I have a big gig. I'm just ensuring I've got everything I need there to make yeah. the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important, isn't it? Um, to, you have to kind of feed the beast, right? And you just have to roll with it because there's no change in it until something comes up where you can change it. Um, yeah. What's the, what have you got coming up music wise? So um, next year I have, yeah, signed two EPs and one compilation so far. Um, I think this is actually coming out next year this podcast coming out next year yeah, I think okay. so. <laughs> yeah. so this year, 2022 yeah it's coming out now I'm like I don't know if I want to leak like that yet but no I'm gonna be doing I'm always like on second state so we'll do another cool. EP there yeah I'm gonna be on the drum code a size compilation which amazing. will be amazing and then there is a third label which I don't want to like it's something different yeah. and it's something that I think will be like a really cool I'm very happy with the music and I'm really happy with, with the label as well. So I'll leave that one a secret. It's also coming later next year. Um, but yeah, I've got like a ton of other music just kind of sitting there as well, waiting to be 
like signed and mm. be sent out that's like another thing sometimes i'm in here making more music and i'm like well maybe i should just try and <laughs> send <up>. some <laughs> stuff out first i kind of almost forget to do that part yeah. i'm just like come in the studio come on make another like track or whatever and then i'm just like okay just add that to the, the hard drive yeah. <laughs> no i feel you yeah and then you have like a year's worth of music and you haven't got any releases um would you ever start your own label Yes, I actually did, but it's only for my productions right now. Oh, so cool. I haven't opened it up to um, other people. It's more just like to have more control over when I want to put music out. Yeah. Mm, but what's it called? Yeah, I would, huh? What's it called? It's just called Beck, and okay. it's just my own music. So it was just like a very simple way for me mm. to. It's not really. I mean, I don't regard it like a label label in terms of I, it wasn't for the purpose to grow it and yeah, to invite yeah. one to create showcases um but i would like i would like to do that one day but i think i would start a second concept that's yeah more focused on uh yeah like getting others on board and yeah. building a community like that no that makes sense it's um there's something about being able to have control over when you're going to release something it's so much nicer because sometimes waiting for record labels can be a, a long, long wait. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's the, it's great though that you have kind of you're in with the Second State crew. Um, do you go on tour with with the guys? Yeah, I had done definitely a lot more in the past, but the the way that they run the label kind of changed, and I also grew more as yeah. well um but i have toured with them a lot and it's been fun um but yeah i think there's a lot to look forward to next year as well for me as well gigs wise um but let's see what happens with the state of the world i guess because it's right. all yeah. kind of dependent on what happens Do, are most of your shows in europe no um I'm regularly in the US. Oh, uh, really? Uh, I've got Australia and India confirmed next March. Um, so, like, I do have a lot of shows in Europe, mainly in Holland, Italy, and Spain. Mm. Um, but Holland, obviously, is completely off the cards. So yeah. I had quite a few gigs there that were cancelled. Um, Italy is operating at 50% capacity, which means that a lot of promoters aren't bothering. Yeah. Spain is actually open right now, so yeah, I've got a couple of things there, which is amazing. I think it's just it's kind of luck of the draw of where you have things planned and whether it's yeah. open. But yeah, where where in the states do you tour? So in July, I had um, my second tour there because oh. I'm um, I recently well I went, I've had my visa about three years now, but. Yeah. Um, a year and a half of that was pandemic yeah. time. So, but yeah, my second tour, which was July, was four weeks, and it was really it was just all nice. over. I think I did fourteen shows. Yeah. Um. So yeah, New York, LA, Philadelphia, like Austin, yeah, Miami, um, yeah, lots of places, and I loved it. And I think that will be like a probably twice a year happening. Nice. For which will be in you. I see. I think you're in the US a lot as well. Is your manager American? Yeah, yeah. Ryan's American. Um, I I live in Detroit um, most of the time as well. Oh, so I okay, kind of cool. Go back and forth. Um, but I got back a couple of weeks ago um, for Christmas and all of that. 
and then yes. back out. So you're like really based stateside then? Mostly, then. yeah. It's weird for me. I tour mostly in America, um, where like I very rarely tour anywhere. Like I do Australia, Japan, um, and America, which is like weird. Um, like a bits in South America, but my plan is to hopefully do more in Europe or just do more worldwide generally. Um, it was weird for me because initially, like I signed to Dirty Bird Records like, years ago, which kind of gave, gave me a career in America. Um, but the rest of the world kind of doesn't really look at Dirty Bird Records as like a label that they want to book artists from. Um, mm -hmm. so then it was just like, just before COVID, like 2019, it was more so like me, like realigning myself with who I want to kind of be associated with then 2020 starting my own label. And now it's only people are kind of finding out that I'm not signed to Dirty Bird and can also don't, I just don't play that type of music, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Associations are strange because sometimes they're great, which like I, I, I love what Dirty Bird did for me. Um, it gave me a career and, and I'll always be thankful for that. But like, yeah, it's just it's mad what it can it can kind of can sometimes hold you back massively. Um, mm. So fingers crossed we start playing more in, in Europe. Um, I really want to do more in South Africa, South, South America. Have you done much over there? Yeah, um, I I have been in Colombia, like mainly actually. Amazing. How is and, it? Yeah, it's amazing. I was over there the first time in 2018 and played for the Baum guys. Mm. Who are, yeah, some of the main promoters over there and just was amazing. Yeah. Um, so I've been back every year since, sometimes twice a year. Um, and I just love like the feeling of playing. Yeah. I feel like they, the, the crowd like love the music. They're super mm. passionate. I don't know if it's the Latin vibes, vibes in them, but it's like always just really some of my favorite sets and favorite times playing is out there. That's yeah. That's how I feel about Miami because Miami's not America. It's like the most oh, yeah. far away from America as America is. Um, but I just find that it's like mostly because it's the Latin kind of culture there. It just, it's just a proper party and they party yeah. for like 24 hours a day. Yeah. It's just like nonstop. Closes, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And, but I think, I guess it's might be the reason that you might tour more in the States and stuff is because obviously when you're based in Europe, it's a small area like to have lots of gigs in lots of different totally. regions. But yeah. in the US, I guess it's harder to plan to come over here and have like enough gigs to kind of tie you around the whole. Yeah, it's, it's, here and it's definitely, definitely interesting. Um, for me, it's like I I'm really I'm really lucky that America does what it does for me and i would never like change that for the world because it's it's an amazing market you can like it's so big you can play so many different shows and so many festivals like all year round i think like my my i think 2018 i did 
115 shows and I think 10 of them were outside of America. Well, so it's like, it's big enough that you can do that. But for me, it's just, I would just love to play in different places. Um, I, like I, I, and because America does what it does for me, it doesn't, I'm, it doesn't really matter about the, like the finances coming to the tour Europe where I'm like, I have to have five shows to make it worth, worth my while. I just want to do it. It's just like, mm. I think it's like, it's just that DJ in me where I just want to play in as many different places in the world and kind of experience as many different cultures. And it's not, it's not really about making a shit ton of money. It's just about experiencing those places. Yeah, um, definitely. Does that make sense? Which we're so lucky that we get to do that. It's just like, how many people can say they go to, they've been to Colombia every year for the last four years <laughs> and just like... <laughs> Yeah, that makes me feel very lucky, actually. Yeah, it's, we're, 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 we have the best job in the world, 100%. Um, although we don't necessarily get to see the cities. Do you, do you like to travel with, with people or do you talk by yourself? Uh, more and more in the last year or two, I like to be with people. Um, and yeah, I think it makes such a difference like, to have friends around or, you know, a tour manager. I haven't had a tour manager yet, but I think next time I go over to South America or maybe even the US, it's kind of when you have a lot of gigs like that, it's kind of worth having someone around. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I love to have friends come around and then you feel like you can, yeah, connect with, meet new people through your friends or, yeah. you know, if you go to a city and you have a friend there, they'll bring their friends and then you just like have more friends in the end. Yeah, totally. And I find myself building like worldwide, lots of like small pockets of people, which is just really nice to kind of get to know yeah more people i guess everywhere and get to know other cultures and other mm. cities more by local people that live there yeah it's yeah. really it's really nice to be able to have like friends all around the world and mm. you know each time you go into a city like you're gonna meet somebody that you know um and you can have dinner with them or something like that but i've i've never traveled with like a tour manager or i've had obviously i've had like in america i have like my photographer crew guys or like my manager might come to like a few shows but i've never like on a specific tour had somebody on every single date and mm -hmm. i don't know how i'd feel about it <laughs> i don't know if i'd get annoyed or or i'd enjoy it i think i'd definitely enjoy it um well i think yeah for, for me it came uh, the thought came after the last shows i had in south and central america just yeah. also being a woman yeah totally um you know being in countries where it's we're not respected in yeah. quite the same way sadly um and just for safety reasons as well totally. like if anything goes wrong you've got someone else there can help you out mm. i don't think in terms of being in, in europe or maybe even the us i would really need or want one yeah but I think in terms of yeah, this is kind no, of that makes that makes total sense. Yeah. I, like even if it's just having somebody from local around there that kind of just knows knows the city and kind of can just be with you. I remember when I did South America, I did Brazil, and the promoters kind of gave you uh, like almost like a tour manager with you just to like make sure you yeah. didn't walk down the wrong alleys or you didn't go into the wrong places of the sea, and it's important especially for for being a female for you it's like does does that play on your mind a lot 
It doesn't play on my mind a lot, but there have just been a few circumstances yeah. where I found I felt like okay, like mm. I'm not being treated as I would like to be, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, that can be that's never happened somewhere in Europe. Mm. Um, and I think it's not to be blamed on other cultures, but I think they're just at different stages of equality within the sexes and um yeah it's just something that i thought of next time if i go back to these countries and and have gigs i'll probably just if there's not a friend that can come that's you know that could kind of to keep me company and just be more of a like team then i would definitely look at yeah getting someone local to help and come but i think it's just really important really like in that situation because the last thing you want to do is something bad to happen because then it just puts a bit of taste in in everyone's mouth isn't it and and especially yours and you don't want to have to go through shit like that the world is amazing sometimes isn't it it's just like why the fuck (laughs) yeah like this makes no sense um what's your plan what's your plans for christmas are you back in the uk Christmas, yeah, I'm nice. um, going back to England next Wednesday and looking forward to it. And then going to Spain, playing for New Year's Eve Amazing. there, which would be nice. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to be in England though. Like I have a big, quite a big family, and it's always yeah. like real time off. Like I actually had a gig offer for the 25th in Germany, like Christmas Day. I, yeah. What? And I was kind of like, who goes to I? a club on, sorry, Tobin, who goes to a club on Christmas day? So a lot of countries actually, really? like Germany, yeah, it's a big thing because their Christmas day is actually on the 24th. Oh, okay. So 25th for them is like boxing day Makes sense. for us. And it's a huge clubbing night. So I actually did it a few years ago. I left very late at night, the last flight I could get and came back in the morning very early, like first flight I could get yeah. kind of thing. Um, but yeah, this time I said no, because I was like, it just, it's too stressful and I want to be with my family and I just want to, yeah, be with them. Um, and it's just the one time of year where I think everyone just stops and slows down and it's kind of just about having an amazing lunch and just sitting there all day. And yeah, I think it's so important. I think like, I don't know about you, but having taken time out. I struggle, I really struggle. Um, like I really hate the feeling of just sitting around doing nothing and just feeling lazy or even like going on holiday. I, it's something that I really struggle with, but I think there's like, I, every year I just make sure Christmas is at home just so I can kind of make myself have time off. Um, mm. cause you, we all need it. And especially, Although COVID was like a lot of time off, it wasn't really. It was a lot of stress for everybody and a lot of like, especially in the music industry, it's like working out what the fuck to do. Um, I think I think it's really important. And it's nice to see family and friends and everything like that around that time. Yeah. I've actually got New Year's Eve off as well, which I'm actually really excited about because I cannot stand New Year's Eve. It's like... It's great to earn money, but it's just my least favorite night. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, it's because there's so much uh, expectation put on it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's also like so many people go out that never go out. Yeah. And like everything's overpriced for everyone. 
Mm. And it's like, yeah, I just, it's not, not my favorite, but yeah. where, where are you playing? Um, it's actually a club in Alicante. So it's oh, like nice. a small place in Spain, but it's called Metro club and it looks really good actually. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, and uh, strangely enough, two of my good friends moved from Berlin to near Valencia. So okay. they're going to come with me. And oh, my sister nice. might also come out with her boyfriend. Nice. So we'll have a little crew and it'll be nice. Because I think, yeah, there's also nothing worse playing on your own on New Year's Eve as a DJ. A couple of years ago, I was playing a gig in Galactica in Italy with like some really like other friends that were on the lineup as well so that was great but like now it's nice to have some friends actually coming with me yeah. as well and celebrating and have a little you know i'll probably stay an extra day and yeah no i think it's really important like just generally i think this is, i think it's very easy right as as dj and around is like it's very easy to just kind of get caught up in the whole dj world and not realize that you're we're all in these amazing countries and all in these amazing places and cities and we're there for like 12 hours and leave sometimes not even that and sometimes just taking if you're with somebody just taking time out and just enjoying time in that place with someone is is super important yeah yeah it definitely is and like you said earlier we're so lucky we get to travel so it's even better if we have like loved ones coming with us and making memories and yeah totally, it's good totally uh we've just done pretty much an hour so let's wrap this yeah. wrap this motherfucker up um yeah. thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it. it's been really nice to catch up and lovely to meet you as well yeah um, you too how can people follow you and listen to your music um yeah it will be so at listen to beck on instagram and soundcloud um and yeah spotify just search back and that will come up and yeah thank you and also probably worth mentioning the way we got connected was because i've just released on alan Fitzpatrick's labels label we are the brave um yeah. track called marimba if anyone wants to like check that out as well it's a banger. um because yeah so that was that just came out two weeks ago and it's more of a summary tune that i wrote in the summer of lockdown the first summer of lockdown but it's coming out now which is you know you can never time things perfectly sometimes no. but it's also kind of nice to give us a bit of a a lick of summer feeling yeah alan yeah. alan's label's dope he's such a nice yeah. dude as well um yeah and robin there uh, she's she's amazing and they kind of the whole like label team that they have there is really really strong they're, they're building something interesting which is nice to see as well yeah, I agree. Lots yeah. of cool music coming out there. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a great Christmas. Although this yeah. is out um, in the new year. So happy new year as well. Um, but I'm sure we'll be in touch. Keep safe and see you soon. Bye. Bye, mate. Thank you. And that is a wrap. Loved it. Hope you enjoyed it. Please go support the podcast by subscribing, sharing it to whoever you think is going to listen to it. Keep safe. Have a great weekend. Or have a great week. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. 
We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.